Welcome to another episode of The Finer Life Show. I'm your host, Greg Hush Williams. On this episode, we're going to be talking to author, podcaster, Emmy Award winner, Rico Player. Rico is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and a former public affairs officer, and he's going to give you some tips on becoming a better communicator. Take a listen. Let's let's get into a question that I love asking officers. And I really feel like sometimes they like to zhuzh it up and they like to put the cool whip on top and just smooth it out. Give me the real deal, Colonel Player. What have been some pitfalls over your 30 plus year career that you have just experienced and you have learned from? Brother Hush, brother Hush, brother Hush, come on now. <laughs> come, no. come on now. Let it let it out. Unvarnished. <laughs> so now so what he didn't tell the listeners is that you know he's headed to officer candidate school. He's making the transition. Mm, 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 mm. I'm gonna disappear right now. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So what are some of the things you've learned? What, so, what, so what are some of the obstacles? You already have the foundation, you have the backbone, you have the, you're anchored in what officers depend on, and that's strong staff NCOs to execute lawful orders as directed. You take that commander's intent and you execute, and you reach back for the commander if, hey, all right, this is a bridge too far, or I need more resources, or I need more people, or I need. Um, I think that's the first thing that you'll discover as an officer is that you have to figure out everything. Uh, Pitfalls have been the people in the sense that um, everyone goes to a unit determined to do their best, to do good for the unit, to do good for the greater good. There are a few haters out there. They, they, they guzzle haterade every day. And, um, and, and some are, are subtle, some are overt. Uh, but I think that's been the pitfall for me um, throughout my career. Overall, it's been fantastic. Uh, the, the haters are a few. Um, they usually isolate themselves and, and you know who they are. They, they make it pretty clear based on their actions or, or their comments that um, they're, they're in it for themselves and not for, um, for what could best benefit the unit. You know, Rico Player doesn't do anything for himself. Um, my focus, my intent, my, my direction is always to, um, to, to lift as I climb. If I'm climbing, I want to pull somebody with me. And hopefully the information, the knowledge, the things that I share, someone coming behind me with, with even greater aspirations, they won't hit the same trip wires, the same potholes that I hit. They can avoid those and, and maybe find some new ones. Mm, mm, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I always like to do this, each one, teach one, teach the younger generation, teach the junior, you know, enlisted service members across all branches. Uh, Top three tips that you, that, you know, you as a commander, you know, what do you like to pass on to the junior enlisted? Brother Rush, hush, hush, hush. (laughs) The, the, the main thing I think, um, and, and I kind of, I fine tuned it as a commander because as a junior, as a Lance Corporal, as a corporal even, um, you would go to the read board. I don't know if read board still exists because everything is digital now, but for the Marine Corps, there's still some places within the unit where all the, the key information is posted. Critical information, liberty bounds, you know, for a 72 hour liberty pass, how far can I go? What's the mileage? Um, 
the the officer of the day, the, the NCO of the day, the sergeant of the guard, all the, there's a lot of information posted. Unfortunately, as a commander, uh, I have to post my my commander's intent, and and I've seen you know commander's intent several pages. I've seen a page. It, it it depends on the commander, whatever works for them, but whatever amplifies their personality. For me, brother Hush, that the main thing is anyone I serve with, I say take one thing from me, and it's in the book. Take this one thing from me, and there's a formula in there, and I, I wish I could show it to you. Um, and I can, there's a formula in there that, um, that I posted throughout the battalion because they see all the information and it's overwhelming. But when they saw my command philosophy, it, it stood out. Uh, it, it stood out because it looked like a math problem. And a lot of folks, some folks, uh, some of the haters, they say, well, what is this? I mean, we're not mathematicians. Why didn't he just tell us what he wants us to know with his, with his command philosophy? The point, Brother Hush, was that if, if you saw it and you were confused, if you read it, it said, ask the Sergeant Major or ask Colonel Player to talk to you about this. Number one, it, it was buzzing throughout the battalion. Folks were talking about it. Number two, as I walked around with my Sergeant Major, I only asked one question. What'd you think of my command philosophy? And if they gave me the, you know, the I don't know shoulders, then I engaged them and, and, and helped unpack it. And I explained what it was. And it breaks down to this. It's three squared, two SIPD, AGNS seven. And, and, it's, and it's, you know, spread out. So three squared is three square meals a day. Two SIPD, two hours of self-improvement, slash professional development. AGNS, this, this one, and it wasn't stump the chump, but this one kind of confused a lot of folks. But brother, brother Hush, you need AGNS, I need it, our family needs it. We all need it, but it's different for all of us. A good night's sleep was well, seven, seven days a week. So that formula, brother Hush, that formula is not just in uniform, it's in civilian clothes, it's when you go to officer candidate school, it's in life. If you're doing those things, you're taking care of yourself. If you take care of yourself, the mission takes care of itself. Keep it simple, right? You're speaking too much sense over here. <laughs> I have to give this formula to a couple of commanders that I used to have. That's Anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about the book and we're going to talk about Warrior Voices. Um, so now I got to segue into that because, okay. you know, I had to get a little bit of, of your history and segue into it. So public affairs, marketing, all, all of the things that encompass mass communications, you know, what have been some of the lessons learned throughout your career about marketing stories, I think that's the hardest thing is marketing a military story to the civilian populace because the taxpayers are just like, why? And I really feel that it not only goes from the military uh, sphere, but to the veteran sphere. What have you learned about marketing stories and how can military organizations and veteran organizations get better at it? Brother Hush, that, that is a phenomenal question in the sense that um, as a military, we're always a few steps behind, be it with personnel or funding. And then the third piece of that is, is commander buy-in. So 
as a commander, I push the, the public affairs team here, even though it's the general's team, I try and, and maneuver into that space wherever I can, because there are about 960 folks in my battalion, give or take. And for the public affairs team, if they have a slow day and they say they don't have anything to do or they're not covering anything, uh, I got 900 plus stories to be told in this battalion, you know, just, just elementary at, at the very base level. Marketing is, is so elusive and, and so challenging. I won't say difficult, it's challenging because you know we're already at uh, an impasse to begin with. We need the commander buy-in. And, and, and if it's not exploding or somebody touching a person who's not theirs or someone who's taking some money that doesn't belong to them or bleeding or you know those headline grabbing things, it's, it's all, um, you know, Johnny comes marching home and the mom and pop taxpayer don't always want to hear that. So what I encourage professionals to do is, is be a storyteller, first and foremost, uh, make it compelling, make someone, uh, regardless of whether they're in civilian clothes or in a military uniform, be interested in the why and, and don't insult anyone in the sense that um, some of the best storytellers that, that I've run into, can, they can tell a, a compelling story about this pen or about this cup or about a post-it note. That is the is the, the craft of what we do. The, the science of it is, is everything in the textbook. The art of it is what we're doing right here. You and I sharing best practices, sharing lessons learned, each one of us sharpening one another for the craft, for the greater good of the Department of Defense, if that makes sense. So what are the, the for, from your perspective, for storytellers, for communicators, what are the three things that they ultimately have to do to become successful? Have a compelling hook. What's that? What's that? Lamest terms. <laughs> <laughs> Why should we be interested in your story? So uh, I feel a compelling hook is whatever the, uh, the most intriguing, the most interesting part of the story, tease us with that at the very beginning. Um, and, and you're going to hear more about it later on. So, so that's the compelling hook. The second part is paint a picture with your words. Don't say, all right, he scored 27 on the test. You know, he, he, he with an overwhelming weight on his shoulders, he sauntered into the room thinking about what, what just happened. You know, just, you have to, to put the participant in the story and not necessarily with, you know, multi-syllable words, but, it, but in a way that, that keeps folks interested and explaining what you want them to feel. So if you can paint a picture with, and make people feel it, I think that's, that's success. And then the, the last piece of it is that you, you've got to be tough in absorbing criticism. So if you don't have a, a circle of, of, of people around you with a trusted, that provide a trusted set of eyes, that provide, you know, critical editing that are truth tellers, not just yes people, um, then you're doing yourself a disservice because you, you have to be tough in this game without question. All right, I think, I think some people can do that. <laughs> I think some folk can do that. They're just taking notes right now. They're like, I can do that right now. Okay, and make sure you just get a copy of the AP style book and make sure that is right. Now, um, Let's wait, wait, go. the AP style book, you, tell, the, tell the listeners what the AP oh style book is. Oh my gosh, listen, is. 
I'm gonna let y'all Google that. <laughs> I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole because the book off the record and warrior voices. I don't know. I'm gonna go for the book first. Okay. So what, off the record. Off the record, what compelled you to write that book? Public and, affairs officers. What is the whole objective? Uh, public affairs officers um, always. Well, not always. I won't. I won't generalize it. As a public affairs officer, and there are some enlisted folks doing it now also, um, we're writing all the time. But one of the benchmarks for our craft is to get published. So for years, I've been talking about writing a book. 87% of folks, according to the New York Times, say talk about writing a book. 3% actually commit to it and get it done. When I was thinking of writing the book, I thought of war and peace, you know, 88,000 words. And then at the, at the other end of the spectrum is, is Hemingway's shortest story ever written, Baby Shoes, For Sale, Never Worn. And that's a whole nother podcast we get into. So, so what was in between? For me, I sat down with a, a bunch of my public affairs geeks and said, hey, hey, let's get this book thing done, okay? Put some money in the middle, identify time hack and get it done. You got 72 hours, who's in? They did it, I won, off the record exists now because of that. So for me, um, it, it's all the, and, and there are some errors in here. There are some mistakes in here. 72 hours, it is not perfect. And I would, I would have even changed the title. And right now it's one public affairs officer's ground rules. Looking back and now talking to folks, uh, and, and I give this book to anyone who asked for it. As I walk around my battalion, anywhere I have a duty posted, a person who is, who is watching the battalion while I'm not there, um, I ask them, what's the last book they read? And if they give me the, the, the high shoulder, I don't know, I, I give them a copy of the book um, because it's written so that you can read it in 45 minutes. It, when, it, when it hit the streets on amazon.com, it was the number one book 45, in the 45 minute category, it was number one. It's like number seven or eight now. Um, but it was all my lessons learned, all my bumps, bruises, lumps and dumps as a young public affairs officer that I want to give to those coming behind me officer or enlisted, valuable lessons learned. If you, if you take nothing else from the book, take, please take my command philosophy. And I, I talked about it earlier here. Um, and, and it's not about making money. So that's the other thing I learned and that not to discourage authors, but don't go into writing books about making money. Very few, unless you're Grisham or Rawlings or you know those names is not about making money. I hate to burst your bubble, but if Brother Hush, if we're being real, don't go into it for the money. Go into it for the craft and to share the knowledge. Now. Thank you for tuning in to the Finer Life Show. Listen, if you want to find us on the web, please check us out at www.mbphikings2017.org. That is www.mbphikings2017.org. 2017.org.